Today's reading is from Daniel chapter 6. So the president and satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the interdict. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had its windows in its upper room open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict you have signed, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought down and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, so that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. The king gave a command, 
and those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples and nations of every language throughout the whole world, may you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, for he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The word of God, the word of life. Thank you, Allison. Grace to you and peace on this very foggy morning. Nothing can ever prepare us for meeting God in the baby Jesus, but this season of Advent sure does try. The reason I think we have Advent, this four weeks of preparation for the birth of Jesus, is that I'm guessing that if we had to choose, I'm betting that most of us would want a God who is stronger and cleaner and savvier than the heap of drooling flesh in the hay bale we're going to greet on Christmas morning. And so it's a shock. It's always a shock that the way God comes close to us and the way God saves us is not through strength, at least as we conceive it, but through a destitute baby whose life is ultimately cut short when he is executed by his own people. Nothing can prepare us for that, but Advent does try. This season of four weeks, it's a time for us to learn how to check our assumptions about God at the door and to open our ears and our hearts to listen for God drawing near. For God does draw near to this world, but seldom in the way that we'd like and never in the way that we'd expect. This is why I think we are reading these verses from Daniel this morning. Long a staple of illustrated children's Bibles or vacation Bible school themes, this story about Daniel and his government points to this strange way that God has and uses power and the odd places that we should look for God among us. The problem is, is that this Sunday school reading of this story tends to skip right over these juicy revelations about God and God's power. I think the trouble starts in the title we give this tale, Daniel in the Lion's Den. And this title leads us to believe that the most miraculous part of the story is God stepping in to tinker around with some lion's mouths. But I think 
that the real miracle of the story occurs not so much in the lion's den, but in Daniel's prayer room. So as we begin this season of throwing out our assumptions that we're making about God, let's hear this story anew. Because what I think this story is really about is two kinds of power. Lion power and prayer room power. Now let me explain. Lion power isn't only wielded by those felines in the den. Lion power is present in the people who thought it would be a good idea to capture lions, keep them in a den, and feed them political dissidents. Look at how much worldly power is in this story. Daniel is this foreigner who has somehow worked himself up the ranks into the political elite of a vast empire. And we have the presidents, we have the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors, and the king himself. These men, and yes, they were all men, they represent power as we normally conceive of it in the world. External strong power, lion power. They could move armies, levy taxes, trade or not trade commodities, and generally force people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. This lion power, it thrives on levels and hierarchy. It's always power over something else. And if you've ever gotten a taste of what this worldly power is in your own life, then you know what it can do to you. There's a thrill that comes in the exercising of lion power, and that thrill, it tends to occupy more of your brain than it should. That thirst for power and control, it only expands, and things in your mind like compassion and creativity and team spirit, they get pushed right on out. And so look what happens to the rulers in this story. Lion power grabs hold of them, infects their brains, and suddenly they can't see reality in any other terms. They view each other suddenly as competitors, obstacles in the way of each one vying for more power and control. There's no room for sharing. There's no room for compromise. Lion power locks people in a strict either or type of thinking. And so the success of Daniel, the foreigner in their midst, is not a cause for rejoicing, but a cause for concern. And rather than celebrate, lion power makes them want to eliminate. The other thing that this lion power does to these men is it just flattens their imaginations. The law that they create, it becomes this all-encompassing reality. There's no space for them to think outside of the power that they exercise. There's no room for them to dream anew. The laws that they make of the land, they assume this certain kind of finality, right? 
there's four times in this text that someone notes that the law simply can't be changed or revoked. They can't think of any other alternative. This guy needs to be fed to the lions. Lion power, for all of its strength and boldness, can sometimes encourage a sense of resignation to the world. Makes us say that things are the way they are and the way they will be. That that's just the way the world is and there's no sense in trying to change it. I think it's worth noting here that when many of us think about God and about God's power, we think about it in terms of lion power. We think about in popular theology and imagination, we think God is a strong God who defeats enemies, who can command and control and judge and punish. That God works mainly in miraculous, extraordinary, flashy ways. A God whose power is power over. And while that may be true about God in a broad sense, it's not the God we meet in this story. And it certainly won't be the God we meet in the manger four weeks from now. God, in this story, uses a different kind of power. Prayer room power. Now, in contrast to lion power, which seeks to grab and to take, and which sees the world as unable to be changed, prayer room power opens us up. It opens us up to sharing, and it widens our imaginations. It's not so much a power over as it is a power with. Prayer room power takes a hold of us not by force and strength, but in silence and in contemplation. Daniel knows this power from his daily prayer. He is the only one in the story who has gra grasped God's promise to him. He alone is the one who knows that he is beloved and held and chosen by the God who created this universe. And it's this promise, which he glimpses coming close to him in prayer, that enables him to act differently from all the other characters in the story. Instead of becoming closed and blinded, his mind acquires a certain kind of spaciousness and freedom. And he's able to live as though God's promise of wholeness is already realized. He's able to imagine this different world and act as though it is already here. And that's what prayer room power does to us. It widens our minds. It strengthens our resolve to act as though that future kingdom of God is already fully present in this world. And for Daniel... This response to God's promise coming close involves him committing a crime. He breaks an unjust law in what is one of the first recorded acts of civil disobedience in Scripture and Christian history. But it's his very 
rootedness in God, which gives him the vision and wisdom and courage to resist unjust laws and to refuse to cooperate with evil. And this prayer room power that so grabbed hold of Daniel and empowered him it didn't die out in this story. This prayer room power has been poured out among people of faith for millennia. Christians throughout history have harnessed this power to witness to God's close love in acts of resistance and civil disobedience when the lion power in the world around them grows too strong. Martin Luther King Jr. actually references the book of Daniel in his famous letter from a Birmingham jail, written after he dared to act as though he lived in a world where the future promise of racial equity was present. It wasn't lion power alone that has accomplished any great stride in human history for civil rights or inclusion or tolerance it's the prayer room power. It's God working through individuals, opening minds and hearts and guiding steps. God chooses to use the small power, the inner freedom, not the flashy or forceful, not the strong or mighty, not anything miraculous except for the miracle of a heart opening of someone reconsidering, of someone imagining the world anew. And that happens in quiet and promise and stillness. It's a power that doesn't destroy the lions, but simply closes their mouths. As we watch and wait for the Christ child, for God's promise coming close, May God keep us from the all-encompassing and imagination-flattening lion power, but keep our hearts open, minds ignited, and actions brave with that prayer room power to live as though the future promise of God is present already among us. Amen.